All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Climbing the Pocket Mondays, where we turn your Monday purple tonight. We have Jared Feinberg from Blue Chip Scouting, who is a Panthers expert to help us preview the game on Sunday afternoon. We are going to talk about uh, the Vikings' all-encompassing, pathetic game against the Detroit Lions. We're going to talk about the good. We're going to talk about the bad. We're going to give our players of the week, and we have a Christian Derrissaw sighting. So, for the next hour, tune in, where we're going to make sure that your Monday is just a little bit purple. In a world where Mondays can be black, Why? turn to it purple. did it again. Join Climbing the Pocket. Oh, it's killing me. It's not showing the roll in. Oh, well. CTP Mondays. <laughs> we'll come back. That was it. That's your roll in, and I'm punching off of here. Nobody needs to see my ugly <laughs> mug. It's, and, hey, it is all good. Hey, you know what? When you have some technical difficulties, you roll with the punches. <laughs> and we're, we're just going to blame Ecamm, and Dave, Dave will be able to take care of it later. I'm your co-host, Tyler Fornis. With me, as always, is Deshaun. Deshaun, how are you here this evening? We just got big news, dog. We'll talk about it here in a minute. I've already seen. Yeah. Deshaun, you got to fix your mic, my man, because I can't hear anything you're saying. All right. Well, Deshaun, fix that. Can you hear me now? Yes, that's perfect. All right. I'm back. All right, yeah, I'm doing good, man. We just saw the whole John Gruden thing. That's kind of crazy. Yep, and as Jared alluded to and Deshaun just kind of mentioned, John Gruden has informed the Raiders he plans to resign tonight. And uh, we're not going to really dive in depth with it. All all we're going to say is the, his actions and words are abhorrent and do not reflect the values of anybody on this panel or this network. We are 100% believers of inclusion and treating people with class, dignity, and respect, none of that was shown in those emails. So that's all we're going to say on it. And we're going to transition to something a little bit more positive and a, and a lot more fun. And that is our special guest here this evening. He is a good friend of mine, draft analyst and Panthers expert. His name is Jared Feinberg. Jared, thank you for joining us here this evening. I appreciate it, man. I'm ready to talk Vikings and Panthers football tonight. Fantastic. And we're going to kind of start uh, transitioning into the Panthers. And then uh, once we kind of uh, finish up with Jared here, we're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly from uh, the game against the Detroit Lions. And Deshaun, one of the things pre-show that we were talking about with Jared is you had a big list of stuff that you really wanted to focus on that I thought was fantastic. So I'm going to kind of let you let you take over here, Let kind of start asking Jared some questions. I'll, I will chip in. But one thing I would like you to start with, we, I think we got to talk about Sam Darnold because that is the biggest X factor in the game against the Panthers today or on Sunday. So yeah, Sam Darnold started the season like he was ready to resurrect his career, but these last two games have been ugly. It's just messy all over the place. Uh, only touchdowns they're really getting are like these late garbage time. I think they had two garbage time touchdowns against the Cowboys. I think they did yeah. score that one time early against the Eagles, but like no second half points. He's not really getting the ball to anybody outside of DJ Moore. It's uh, it's not looking good. But I struggle to condemn the Panthers' offense when CMC is not on the field. It just he's that dynamic of a player. He completely changes the entire outlook. But it's just it's not good that Sam Darnold 
is doing what he's doing when you're about to go up against someone like Mike Zimmer who can really force you to make bad decisions? You know, I've had this chat with Panther fans before, even before um, the Eagles game. Um, You know, Darnold has not played well the last two games. He has really been dropping his eyes whenever pressure is coming at him. He's struggling against pressure. Um, the poise isn't great at times, you know, he, he's just misfiring on throws, all that. And, you know, it's, it's aggravating as a Panthers fan after seeing this great start from Donald, all of a sudden he starts struggling and you can't help but notice that there is one player that has really helped Donald really kind of resurge in a sense after the first three games of the season. And it was Christian McCaffrey. Once McCaffrey was no longer on the field due to injury, you know, you see Darnold just absolutely struggling. You know, Chuba Hubbard, eh, he's okay. He, he ran the ball well, I thought, yesterday. But he's not someone that's reliable just yet um, as a receiver in the backfield. Royce Freeman not getting enough touches. I feel like he could get more touches. He could be an option in the pass game in place for McCaffrey. Hopefully, uh, the Panthers will get Christian McCaffrey back this coming weekend against Minnesota. Uh, So we'll have to keep our eyes out on the injury report, what goes on during practice, all that. But Darnold, I want to be patient with him because, sure, he has been bad for most of his career. He started out well, um, but you also have to understand Darnold is playing behind a very porous offensive line. I mean, you, the best five, you know, it, even the best five, in my opinion, isn't a great offensive line, but it's still better than probably what Carolina has right now. Um, I don't think Cam Irving really makes a difference when it comes to the left tackle spot because he was he's struggling the same way a rookie would struggle at that spot if he were starting. You know, a raw rookie struggling at left tackle in his rookie season. Cam Irving is still doing that seven years after he got drafted. Six, seven years. I mean, you, you just can't have that. Pat Elfline, former Viking. Um he, 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 yeah, you, you ain't got to tell us about Pat, man. We yeah, know already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you ain't yeah. got to tell us. Hey, Jared, I was <laughs> the one who was telling you that Pat Elfline was uh, – Yes, you, you were. You were. You absolutely were. I was like – after the first couple games, I'm like, get this guy off the field, man. Get him out. Get him out, bro. <laughs> I mean, and and look, the Panthers offensive line, it's not great. Darnold hasn't been great the past couple games, but – once Christian McCaffrey comes back onto the field, I feel like that's going to really kick start the offense once again. He is one of the only few running backs that can really keep the offense going when he's on the field. Christian McCaffrey is arguably the best running back in football. Um, elite running back, um, elite receiver out of the backfield. He is just so impactful in so many ways. He is just so hard. Um, to game plan for or game plan against week in and week out just because of how versatile he is. Um, and, you know, there are times where I'm like, you know, he's getting way too many touches. And I feel like the Panthers need to draft or sign a running back that can really take off that load some and be a reliable receiver out of the backfield for this offense and whatnot. But 
back to Darnold, you know, I want to be patient with him. He, the Panthers are committed for the next couple years, um, for at least this year and next year, because they already have the fifth-year option done with him. Um, I want to see how he does moving forward. McCaffrey can stay healthy if the offensive line can start staying more sturdier, more consistent. The thing with the offensive line is they suck in pass pro, but they're somehow kind of solid in um, in the run game. Like they can get to their line, but ah, their landmarks really well. Um, but I, I, there are plenty of question marks on the offensive side of the ball. Robbie Anderson's not getting touches. He's getting frustrated about that. You saw that after the game. Yes, uh, on Sunday against Philly or at the end of the Philly game. Um, DJ Moore, of course, a terrific weapon on that offense. He is breaking out in a big way and becoming a true wide receiver one for this Panthers football team. And someone mentioned it on my timeline, a Panthers fan, saying, you know, this is probably the most loose-sided Panthers football team that we have seen in a while. Their offense is just really struggling, yet their defense is playing great football. Yeah, and I wanted to mention the defensive side of the football because that's probably going to be be the Vikings offense against the Panthers defense. Uh, we saw the Cowboys were able to take advantage of the Panthers offense. Uh, the Vikings offense isn't on that level yet, even though they have the capability to do so. So the, some of the guys I wanted to highlight, um, Hassan Riddick, his pressure to sack rate is insane. Like to the point where it almost doesn't make sense. Uh, he's averaging like he's getting to the quarterback like three times a game, but he's he has like eight sacks, which is crazy. It shouldn't be sustainable, but he's still doing it somehow. I don't get it. And then we have um, Brian Burns on the other side, uh, super solid player, still playing well. He's been playing well since he's been drafted. And you guys have Derek Brown. You have the rotational pieces and Daquan Jones, who's solid. You have I think it's Morgan Fox who steps in and he does pretty well at some points in time. We've seen the Vikings offense, the offensive line struggle against a defensive line that has two solid rushers and kind of some middle of the pack interior pieces against the Browns. They struggled really bad. This defensive line against the Panthers, while they don't have now, they don't have like the, you know, like the number one rusher. They don't have like a Miles Garrett. They don't have, I mean, Hassan Reddick is doing great, but he's not Miles Garrett. He's not Neil Hunter. Can the Vikings offensive line deal with this defensive line and not really put out another showing against the Browns is going to be the most important part to this game. Cause we have to remember the Panthers don't get Stefan Gilmore just yet. I think they get him the week after this game. And then JC Horn, yeah. who was playing great before he got injured is gone. So there are, places there are places to go with the football you know we have Justin Jefferson who's playing like the best wide receiver in the NFL outside of Devontae Adams Adam Thielen who's great and then KJ Alborn who's been coming on as of this defensive line kind of control this football game it, it, it's going to be I, I think it will be a good matchup in terms of the Panthers secondary versus Minnesota's skill position players um I'm looking forward to the matchup between Justin Jefferson and Dante Jackson. Dante Jackson has had a really good year. He's been splendid in coverage. He's tackling well, um, downhill, just explosive football player. 
Um, his interception against Jalen Hurts um, Sunday was really good. He basically peeled off from um, the seat from vertical round the slot, uh, flipped his hips and made a great play on the ball, which was overthrown. But he made a great play on the ball, got the pick, guys feet in bounds, good play. Um, had a forced fumble yesterday as well. Also had six tackles. It was probably one of his better games of his career, um, and. In a contract year, this is huge for him because he's probably going to be one to get paid after this season, whether it's by the Panthers or by someone else. Um, the Panthers seem like they want to keep him, but now you have Gilmore on the roster um, starting in a couple weeks. Um, J.C. Horn will be coming back hopefully at the end of the season if the if the Panthers are in are in playoff contention. Um, C.J. Henderson could have a bigger role down the stretch as he gets accustomed to Phil Snow's defense and like the lingo with the play calls, all that. Um, one player that really caught my eye yesterday was uh, Panthers rookie cornerback Keith Taylor. Um, he, he played about 70% of the snaps. Uh, Rashawn Melvin was a healthy scratch, so Keith Taylor was kind of put into the fire and he did a really solid job. Um, I know he, he has his fans on draft Twitter. Um, I, I like his tape um, as well. He's got good size, good length. Um, he, he really impressed in his debut yesterday. Um, I, I'm very curious how the Panthers will deal with another group of good wide receivers. They held their own. I feel like against Dallas, they were playing Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb. I want to see how they do against Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Um, the Panthers back in, um, you got Jeremy Chin. I'm hoping Justin Burris can come back sometime soon um, and have a bigger role on this defense once he's healthy. He's, I think, I believe he's currently on IR. Um, now, and right now you have safeties like um, Sean Chandler and Sam Franklin starting on that back end along with Jeremy Chin. Um, Jeremy Chin, of course, great football player, very versatile. Um, he just probably one of the better defenders on this defense um, and a future cornerstone piece on this back end for the Panthers. Um, the defensive line, I think, personally, I think it's going to give Minnesota some trouble up front. Um, their, their interior rush – is quite good. Um, the way they really pressure the quarterback is very creative and unique. Um, and Phil Snow has done a terrific job with this unit, as young as they are. Now, they have struggled against the run. I think that's one of the things that I am going to be looking forward to this coming week is that can they a, be more consistent against the run? They were doing a good job throughout throughout most of the game against Philly up until probably the fourth quarter when Hurts started to really use – run the ball himself and then Caroline got kind of got out of whack. Um, I, I'm looking forward to see how they do against Minnesota's rushing attack with Dalvin cook and Alexander Madison. Um, they struggled heavily against Dallas. I'm going to assume Mike Zimmer is going to look at that tape and really, really see what they can do to exploit the Panthers run defense, um, which currently rank eighth in the NFL, I believe in run in total run defense. Um, this Panther defense overall, it's so much better than I thought it was going to be coming into the season. I thought they were 
They were going to be at least a top 15 unit and not even close to a top five unit. Now they're arguably one of the better defenses in football at this moment. They're going to be getting Stephon Gilmore in a couple weeks. This is a good time to be a Panthers fan if you really like defense. And I love good defense. And I'm glad to see the Panthers having a good defense once again um, in in the Matt Rule era. Yeah, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting matchup. There's a lot, like you said, there's a lot of key matchups going on uh, on the offensive and the defensive side of the football. Uh, again, it's gonna be another game in the trenches. Unfortunately, it seems like that's always how our games seem to end up. Uh, even on the Panthers' offensive side of the football, you mentioned some of their linemen haven't been doing well. Cam Irving was one of the ones I saw that's been kind of struggling as of late. Uh, there was another guard. I can't remember his name that I hasn't been doing too well. Yeah. Miller isn't doing too well. And you have, you have, um, Mo- Mo- Moton, Moton, who's kind of like, oh, he's kind of, he's like our Brian O'Neill. He's kind of like the one guy on the line that you can kind of trust. And he's probably the guy that's going to be going up against Neil Hunter a little bit. Last week we saw Everson Griffin kind of take P Sewell to class and really just like give the rookie a terrible day. Uh, the right. first round pick did not do well at all. Um, he could kind of do the same thing with Cam Irving. And then we really get a chance to see Dalvin Thomason maybe take over a football game. He gets a good matchup against Miller. Maybe Armand Watts could show some of his pass rush. So it could end up being a low scoring affair. We could have like another Browns Vikings kind of thing. If these uh, defenses kind of take over, especially if Kirk cousins in the offense can't get it together. It'd be the third week in a row. Kind of why I'm expecting the offense to get something together. Cause the pieces are there. I mean, you have cook, you have Jefferson Thielen, you have an offensive yep. line that actually is piecing together some solid games outside of the Browns game, of course, but the pieces are there. You just have to get the play calling and the timing and some of this stuff down. I kind of expect that to come alive a little bit against the Panthers. I'm thinking we see some of the stuff that we saw in the Seahawks game where guys were able to run free a little bit. And then I'm hoping some of the run game is able to take over the football, even, even though we want to get away from the run. Cause you know, we do that a little too much. I know everybody on Twitter hates the second and eight runs, the second and 10 runs, but the Panthers run defense, like you said, the last when they lost to the Cowboys, uh, that was kind of the Cowboys' blueprint. I think that's something that we're definitely going to follow. Hopefully, Cook can be back and we can have that one one two punch of Madison and get this thing rolling. But I do think it's going to be a close game. It's going to be a tough one. The Panthers are one of those teams where they're going to play everybody well. They're going to probably be in just about every game. Defense is playing well. Joe Brady is doing great things with Sam Darnold. Uh, probably just a little bump in a row once. Christian McCaffrey is back. They'll be back to doing crazy things. So I think it'll be a great game. Um, looking forward to it. Definitely. Uh, hopefully we can get some good Kirk Cousins play. Cause he has not been that great as of late. Hmm. Yeah. Th- now this is the first time really like being on this show. Um, and you know, when I said before the start of the show, this is really my first exposure to, Knowing what Minnesota is really all about, I haven't really been keeping up with them that much um, because of school and all that. Just not really having the time to pay attention to what Minnesota is doing. But um, having some good insight here, I I think Dalvin Tomlinson is going to have a big game um, this coming weekend. I that Panthers interior offensive line, it's not good. Um, it, it's Matt Paradis, like he he's been very inconsistent 
John Miller's not great. Um, Dennis Daly, like he's had his good moments, but like you, you want better. And the whole ordeal with the Panthers deciding to start Taylor Moten at at left tackle and then move Brady Christensen to right tackle when Matt Rule had said for most of the week, you know, it, it's either going to be Brady Christensen or Trent Scott starting at left tackle. So it, it was just kind of weird to see, you know, switching players from their natural position. And I, I have concerns with that. And I just don't think that's going to be sustainable moving forward, especially if Cam Irving is still going to be out for the next week or so. I don't know how long he's out for, but I I, I want to give out my best starting five for the Panthers offensive line. I believe this could be sustainable uh, throughout the season, even though there still could be plenty of struggles. Um, I I believe Christensen should be the starting left tackle, the rookie um, out of BYU. Dennis Daly or John Miller at left guard. At left guard, I really don't care which one. I mean, they're not great um, in their own respects. Um, Matt Paradis at center, of course, and then rookie Deontay Brown, who I know a lot of people um, are big fans of um, coming into the draft. Um, and then, of course, Taylor Moton or Moton at right tackle. So, you know, I. I I'm just really worried about the Panthers' offensive line moving forward. I, I don't think Sam Darnold's going to be comfortable behind this line. I think he's starting to lose a little bit of confidence in this line. They are struggling to pick up twists and stunts, um, missing assignments in the past game. It's just been very it, – it's not been good. And, you know, you wish they could probably improve it at during the trade deadline or close to it. But there's not really a lot of viable options out there for the Panthers to go out and try and trade for a solid starting left guard or right guard. It's just very you're kind of they're kind of stuck with where they are right now, and they're it's probably not going to be until this coming off season when they really start to get into the offensive line and improve that unit, and most likely through free agency and the draft, especially in the first round. Uh, we'd like to offer you one slightly used Rashad Hill, <laughs> if, you know, if you can make space for him. All right, but um, let's get on to talking talking some more Vikings. Uh, Tyler, you didn't like that game on Sunday, even though you know we came away with an exciting win. That last minute and thirty seconds, man, got the heart pumping a little bit. I know I uh, wanted to see a little bit more chaos than what ensued, but <laughs> give me your thoughts about that game. Ah, uh, it was pathetic. Um, I, I really don't think there's a better way to describe it. The Vikings played to want to go home, crack open a Budweiser on the couch, and, and watch the, the night game. They didn't play like they wanted to win a football game and potentially uh, make the playoffs and win a Super Bowl. They played incredibly conservative. They were running the football and not trying to drive the ball down the field with Justin Jefferson, who was playing out of his freaking mind and creating separation. Uh there were so many dump offs by Kirk Cousins. I, I remember distinctly about five of them where if he waits an extra half second to a second with when he had good protection, albeit that a, a crosser or a dig was about to come wide open and he didn't th- throw it the anticipation. He didn't try to drive the ball downfield. He just took the safe, easy route. And I think that inflated his PFF grade. Uh, it was a very frustrating <laughs> loss. Um, I, 
this team, and I'm going to give the Purple Daily guys a lot of credit, uh, Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, Declan Goff, they said it best when the Vikings aren't trying to win. They're trying to not be a laughingstock. They're trying. They're so afraid of failing that they're not able to succeed. And I think the microcosm of everything that's been happening over the course of the last few seasons kind of boils down to just that. They just want to be relevant. They don't truly have that desire to win. Otherwise, they'd be willing to change things up. And I think you saw that against a Lions team that was without three starting offensive linemen, two of them pro bowlers. They were without their top corner, their top pass rusher. Their three cornerbacks were all ranked 81st or lower in PFF grade. We should have just ate them for lunch, heated up the leftovers, and then snacked again in the third quarter. We didn't do that. And I it's a very frustrating game. And then I, I'm there. We're about to go downstairs with the two-minute warning because I got buddies in, in the lower bowl. We're going to watch the rest of the game on the balcony together. It's going to be great. I'm waiting for uh, my friend Thor to, to come out. And all of a sudden, Madison fumbles. We're like, what is going on? And then the whole, whole process of that. And then we drive down the field, and I swear – it was as loud as what I think the miracle was in the stadium. People were so happy. We escaped with a two-point victory against the Lions. I was very disappointed in the fan base for not having higher expectations. And That's- I'm I'm going to be diving I'm diving into a piece about kind of what you mentioned earlier, Deshaun, the second and longs, and trying to dissect uh, what's going on with those second down plays. Uh, looking at EPA, looking at uh, dropback success rate, um, all those fancy analytics numbers, uh, and then trying to cross compare them between the first and second half, and then also compare them to last year to try and understand what's going on and how we can kind of improve that. And really, I'll give you a little bit of preview of what I've found so far. Kirk Cousins, let him throw the football. That's, it's really that simple. And they weren't willing to do that for whatever reason against the Lions. So there's a lot to take away from that game. And we're going to kind of dive into that more. Jared, you have started to really experience the pain of what it's like to have bad field goal kickers. I would just like to say welcome to the fraternity. Um, we know better than anybody about bad field goal kickers. And I'm not I'm not saying that to bury you or your team. Uh, I want to use this as a transition point to talk a little bit more about the Panthers game because when you're experiencing those kind of field goal kicker woes that we have seen, we can understand and sympathize with you. How have the Panthers special teams improved over the first couple weeks of the season when I know you and fans all and analysts across the board were incredibly frustrated with the special teams of the Panthers? Yeah. Um, can I just say fired Chase Blackburn, the special teams coordinator? It, it's not been good. Um, I, I will say Zane Gonzalez has been he, – he's missed some field goals. But he, I think he's okay. He, he's made the kicks that he needs to, even though he's missed um, some crucial ones. But – I think he's been fine. I think the Panthers going to stick with them as long as he's um, playing consistent. Um, but their special teams really just over the last couple of weeks have just been just not great. Um, and especially against Philly, that was just a total breakdown from Carolina special teams. 
And Carolina special teams, I will say, over the last couple years, it since Blackburn has been the special teams coordinator, it's been underwhelming, um, especially at kicker. Um, you know, of course, they had Joey Sly for a while, but he was missing so many kicks, yet they still trotted him out on the field, especially late in games last year when Carolina came close to winning a bunch of them. They trotted out Sly for 70 yarders. I mean, he has a leg to really just kick some bombs, but he can't hit the broadside of a barn. You know, it, it's just, it was not great. I miss Graham Gano. I wish he was still a Carolina Panther. Panther fans hate him for missing the field goal in Super Bowl 50 and missing other crucial field goals. But he was arguably the Panthers' best kicker ever. No disrespect to John Casey, but Graham Gano was great, and I miss him. Panthers could have had Harrison Butker, and I know that I'm rubbing it into Panther fans. They're like, we could have had Butker. We could have been really good, all that, you know, but that's in the past, you know, it, it, it is what it is. But I I do think the Panthers special teams needs to be better moving forward. They have to execute better, um, punting, kicking, what have you, kick returns, punt returns, um, covering kicks, covering punts. I mean, it has to be better. Um, I, I do not expect Chase what. Blackburn to be back as special teams coordinator next year. I would be shocked if he was back next year. Um, but I did see Greg Joseph kick that game-winning field goal. And I would just say, good job, Greg Joseph, for redeeming yourself. Um, and I will just send my condolences to you guys for the special teams woos. And not to rub it in, but that 2015 game against Seattle – Still, it's it's still in my brain. It's like sealed tight in my brain. I'm like, anytime I think of a of a Vikings kicker, I think of uh, that one kick against Seattle. That that I was pulling for Seattle in that game too. So, yeah. It, hey, breaking news! It is Jared's fault that the Vikings lost that game to the Seattle Seahawks. It is official. It has been decided. Wow. Hey, you, yeah, you, know, gonna, you outed you, you outed a yourself, lot of hate from the Teddy Bros. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, you know, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. All right, Jared. I you have brought some incredible insight here for us, and I I don't want to be a vulture of your time. We greatly appreciate you coming on here. Uh, one final, a couple final points from you. What you're really keying on in this game, and let's let's hear a score prediction from you. Um, I'm not really big with score big predictions, but I'll go ahead and give um give one. Um, I think it will be a low scoring game. Um, I think the Panthers defense will take advantage of the Viking struggles on the offensive line. Um, I think Christian McCaffrey should be back this coming weekend, and that will help out Sam Darnold and the offense a lot. Um, and really just kind of take some of the pressure off Darnold's shoulders, and he will and he should improve um, this coming weekend. But the Vikings defense, they'll be a tough group. Um, a Mike Zimmer defense is always a really tough group, especially the second level. So I, I'm going to say a low scoring game. I'm going to say Carolina 23, Minnesota 21. Very close game, but it would not sh- shock me if Minnesota won this football game. 
Okay. Uh, so now let me ask you this uh, from an outside perspective, because we are obviously incredibly jaded by the performance of this football team over the past few years, really ever since Kirk Cousin was hired as a mercenary to help get us over the top to win a Super Bowl. Uh, from your perspective, not being engulfed in this team, if Mike Zimmer loses the game to the Panthers, do you believe he gets fired? And here, uh, uh, along with that, do you think he should get fired? You know, listen, we can't take our fires and takes to other parts of Twitter, man. We got to keep it on our well, side. No, it, I, <laughs> I, I, I think, I think it's, a, it, it's a it's fair a, question because he is not yeah. in our bubble. He is, he is in a completely different fan base bubble, and he analyzes that team. So it's good to have a different perspective as far as how other people are viewing our situation because we can argue amongst ourselves all we want. Our minds really aren't going to change. I, 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 there's someone saying like, no, 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 don't fire Zimmer. Um, but I'm not really sure. I'm kind of indifferent. You know, if Zimmer gets fired, you know, it, it would be for good reason because, you know, this Viking team has struggled over the last couple of years um, despite some of the talent they have had. Um, and they they need to move forward in a different direction. I, I don't think a firing by, um, for Mike Zimmer um, is out of the question if Minnesota does lose um, to Carolina this coming weekend. Um, if they win, that gives Zimmer another week, maybe the rest of the season. I, I don't know. Um, I could see him lasting the entire season, but honestly, from what I have heard from Vikings fans, from you, Tyler, um, and just from my outside perspective, um, Mike Zimmer's days are numbered, I would say, for sure. Yeah, we're kind of in the same boat. Jared, greatly appreciate you shedding some insight here on the Carolina Panthers for us as we kind of move forward towards the uh, game here on Sunday afternoon in Carolina. Uh, why don't you uh, tell the people uh, where they can find you and kind of what you have cooking as far as content, because as I'm sure you've noticed with our, our comment section, we have a very passionate fan base. We have a group of people that loves good discussion. And that's, and I, I can tell you that they have appreciated having you on here tonight. Guys, I appreciate you um, to everyone listening. I appreciate Appreciate you guys listening. Um, you guys can follow me at JRod NFL Draft on Twitter. Um, you can also subscribe to um, the Draft Nut Podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Myself and my co-host Devin Jackson of Blue Chip Scouting. Um, we talk about the um, previous college football weekend and the NFL action. You know, just really breaking stuff down. And then once draft season rolls around, we'll be talking draft prospects um, every couple of days or so during the week. Um, so we have some big plans over at the draft nut podcast. We're really excited moving forward. Um, you can also find my content, my articles at bluechipscouting.com, um, where I'll talk about Panthers. I'll talk about NFL stuff. Um, I recent, my re most recent article is about Spencer Radler and why his time is up in Oklahoma and why it's time for him to transfer. So make sure you guys go check that out and guys, I hope you guys have a good night. Jared, thank you very much. You. Yeah. And make, make sure you go follow him on Twitter. Jared is one of the smartest guys out there when it comes to NFL draft, make sure you check him out and he'll have some interesting Panthers nuggets throughout the week. You'll want to check it out. Jared, We'll talk to you in the chat. Have a good rest of your night, man. 
Alrighty, man. Appreciate it. Absolutely. That was Jared Feinberg of Blue Chip Scouting, Panthers expert. And we bring in King of the Big Round Bellies, Mr. Dave. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I was just yeah, looking so, up. Yeah. Uh, if anybody had a wager on first coach being fired, now technically he resigned, but first coach losing his job this season on Steve, John now that, Gruden. That would be interesting because it it's going to really be interesting to see how that pays out because will he technically be fired even though he's claiming resignation? Because the semantics of that are going to be interesting with Vegas. Now, if he resigns and he technically was not fired by the Raiders, then they may not pay out John Gruden at all. So well, I, I saw odds as of week four, and he wasn't even on the list. Belichick was down at 100 to 1. Um, so, and he would have been higher odds than that. So, if anybody had that or anybody picked he resigns, that's got to be one heck of a payday. Oh, absolutely. All right. Deshaun, we got about 20 minutes left. We have quite a bit here to talk about today. One of the things that I think we should really start with and is going to be positives from the game because, like, uh, if you watch the final score, you heard me absolutely bury the team in my little 30-second uh, rant as I'm kind of walking through the game. And that was wonderful. Have you watched the replay? Yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty fun. Yeah, that was great when you there. coming on. I love when you guys come up from the stadium, live from the stadium, and join the show. It is fantastic. You give everybody could feel the energy at US Bank at that time, and especially yours, as uh, you felt like most of the rest of us after that game. Oh, it was brutal. But let's talk positives because I can bury this team into oblivion here for the next two hours if we really wanted to. Deshaun, one of the things uh, that you and I highlighted here pre-show was the success of the defense. Uh, they allowed Jared Goff to, I think it was an average uh, depth of target, to like 2.5 yards. Like it was abysmal. And uh, he still somehow had a passer rating of 90. I, like I don't understand how that works, but – at the end of the day, they did a really good job containing the Lions defense and or sorry, the Lions offense, and they really couldn't get anything going. And I think for me it started with Patrick Peterson and the pass rush. What were the things that you really liked from the defense here on Sunday? DJ Wanham got a sack. What? <laughs> that doesn't happen. <laughs> That's how you know some crazy stuff is about to go down. DJ Wanham out there sacking hey, you know people. I will give him and uh, Patterson Zimmer credit because that was a beautifully executed Texas stunt. Uh, they had T Tomlinson at, at the, I think it was the two I, and they had Wadham at the, at like the, it was either the three technique or the four I, and then Richards Tomlinson just ate up the two, the two interior linemen, and he just had an open path. It was a beautifully executed design. Yeah, and things just things look so much better with Everson Griffin. In the game, he played. I think he for the second week in a row, he like topped his season high in snaps. I think um, they and mm -hmm. every week they say they don't they don't want it to be that high, but he's just playing at a high level. I think he has like four sacks in the last three games or something like that. And you just, I mean, thirty four or not, you just can't bench a guy who's playing that well. I mean, like Daniel plays better when he's in a game, 
Everybody on the defensive line just plays better when Everson Griffin is in the game. They were getting home with four. They weren't blitzing too much. They were affecting Jared Goff. And I think you just have to see if he can keep it up. Because, honestly, DJ Wanda, I think he got, like, one pressure that wasn't manufactured. So he's not really the guy that's going to get you those two pressures where you're just rushing four and you're still getting to a quarterback. Those back-to-back plays from Everson Griffin was huge. It was it wasn't manufactured. That's just him beating his guys straight up and making a play. Mm-hmm. And we're not getting that from anybody else. And we need that kind of stuff. And that kind of stuff leads to to stuff like the the Eric Ken, Eric Kendricks pick. Now Goff has this clock in his head. He's throwing the ball a lot faster. Allows guys like Kendricks to make play make plays on passes like that. So I think so. I love that Patrick Peterson had a good game, even though it was kind of expected. They were going against a very low tier group of wide receivers, especially when Quint- Quintez Cephas uh, messed up his collarbone and had to go out. So this just wasn't a group, good group of receivers. I thought they would have targeted TJ Hawkinson more. I think they targeted him like three times or something like that, but. Kind of a expectation game for Patrick Peterson. I think Everson Griffin really like lifted this defense and started off, and everybody else just kind of played well from then. Even uh, Mr. Brashad Breeland, Mr. Twitter himself, had a solid game. <laughs> I have a question for you, Deshaun. Today, Zim talked about Everson probably played too many snaps. They're trying to keep him around 35 snaps a game so that they keep him fresh and strong throughout the entire 17-game season because we saw a couple years ago he gets towards the end and he sort of runs out of steam. Um, Yes, he looks like he's found the fountain of youth. He is the uh, griffin of old. He's looking fantastic, and I love it. Let the older guys rock, right? But my question to you is, if you restrain him and only play him 35 or so snaps a game, but he's such a big impact to us winning, by restraining him, are you going to cost the team wins or possible wins when they need it the most, especially in the games coming up the next what, five games coming up, six games coming up? If you restrain him, are you costing your chance at beating the other opponent? 100%. The drop-off from Griffin to the next person is massive. And it's insane how massive it is for him to be an almost 34-year-old man. And he's out here. Weatherly's like 26. I think Wandam's like 24 or something like that. And he's playing like 10 times better than these guys. So... It's just it's a line that you have to create. It's it's do I run the risk of not having Griffin 100 percent later in a year or do I run the risk of my edges getting demolished on every single play? So and then the thing that's frustrating is that we don't know how good Patrick Jones is, but from how the first five games have went, it seems like he's really, really bad because he's not even getting a chance to even go out there and show if he's had anything when Weatherly is barely getting any steps and Wanham just isn't doing much with his opportunities. So not playing in the, just the, the energy that's felt, the things he's able to do, you just, you can't afford 
to not play him. I think your only hope is that you get football games to a point where you don't have to play him as much. I think that's what you're hoping for. You hope that DJ Wanham can hold up on first and second down so you can really play him as a third down player that you signed him to be. But with the way this run defense has been going and the running backs that we play, I mean, we play CMC, we play Zeke, we play Eckler, we play the committee with the 49ers, we're playing Lamar Jackson coming up. You can't afford to be leaky in run defense. If you're leaky in run defense against these teams, you are going to lose the game and give up a lot of points. I just I don't see a scenario where they can afford to cut back on Griffin snaps and not pay the price for it. Is maybe that no, I, I why our run defense isn't as good this year? Because uh, they early everybody's the- given up. Well over a hundred yards in every game. Early in the year, you saw that they, uh, the Bengals specifically, but that was the first game of the year. But Bengals specifically attacked the edges and had a lot of success doing it. The Cardinals tried to attack the edges; they had some success, but it wasn't super consistent. And then you saw the Seahawks try to do it. They had the one play that was more on Eric Kendricks when Chris Carson took it, like a 40-yard touchdown. It was more on Eric Kendricks kind of just getting beat in the hole. But they had some success early, but they were able to shut it down. When you lose someone like Michael Pierce and you have to you know, sub him with more pass rush-oriented guys, you need your first and second down guys to be good in run defense to make up for it. And hopefully DJ can get somewhere or maybe you – put Weatherly in on first and second downs or something, they're going to have to figure it out because it it is a double-edged sword because you want Griffin to be, you know, in peak health when you're making your run for the playoffs. And then, but then again, you want to be able to be in a position to make that run for the playoffs. Now, I know we said we wouldn't talk about this after beating the Lions, but if the Vikings beat the Panthers and Cowboys, they're like the fifth seed. Like they're literally, they're square back in the playoff race, and they win these next two games. With that on the line, can you afford to not play your blessed guys? I think you have to play him if he's capable of playing and being successful. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'll be honest. I thought that they were going to play Dalvin Cook on Sunday because this was a must-win football game. And when you kind of look at everything uh, encompassed, like I was really surprised Dalvin didn't play, and I think – it almost cost us the game that he wasn't in there because Madison left a lot of yards on the field. He had that big fumble at the end of the game, which outside of the Bengals game, which you can argue that that was not a fumble. And like it's it's tough, man, because I, I don't think Dalvin puts you in that situation. I, don't, I think the Vikings score more points because Dalvin's in there and his ability with his incredible vision to see those cutback lanes to see the front and backside uh, all encompassing and be able to make the smartest decisions madison's just not as good at that as dalvin cook and it showed on sunday uh i i think he's got to play i think it, if you don't win this game and then you go through the gauntlet that they see out coming out of the bye with the cowboys the ravens the chargers the packers and there's one other team, uh, I can't remember who it is. And then I think the next easiest game you have is the Steelers, December 9th, Thursday night at U.S. Bank Stadium. Like, you're you're talking a gauntlet. And you got to win this game because Mike Zimmer right now is projected to be 17-44 and 44 
against teams finishing 500 or higher uh, coming out of the season. They, I, it's going to be hard for us to expect this team to win many of those games coming up. They have to get this one. You're right. But I think it's too early to talk playoffs. We need to see a lot more from this team in order to really expect a playoff push. They have to be able to finish games and play like they want to win. Uh, They, for the most of that second half of the Cardinals game, they did not play like they wanted to win. They did in that last drive, and it it just felt came short. Against the, uh, whatchamacallits, um, the Browns, they didn't look like they were playing like they wanted to win. They were playing to survive against the Lions. They definitely didn't play like they wanted to win. Like this team needs to have a culture shift in that they have to play to win the football game. It's a it's a meme and it's a one liner from Herm Edwards, but he's spot on. You play to win the game. Uh, I want them to play to not only paid. win, but play to dominate. Yes, that's that well, That schedule you're play, talking about goes yeah. Panthers, Cowboys, Ravens, Chargers Packers, Niners, and then Detroit. And then the Steelers after yeah. Detroit. It's hard, man. I think the, it's hard. This- it is hard. But I think the good thing is a lot of those teams struggle defensively. We don't play a great defense until we play the Steelers. Unfortunately, as of right now, our offense is struggling. But with the pieces that we have... I think that is going to be our most capable thing of fixing. The defense is coming alive as of late, but they're going to give up points. We have spots on the defense where there's almost not much we can do to fix it. Like we, Everson Griffin's old. We don't have that third pass rusher. We're going to struggle against really good offensive lines. Uh, Cam Dantzler might start for Breland when he comes back, but if Breland has to be in the game, we're going to struggle against teams with good wide receivers. That stuff we can't really, you know, fix with at this moment in time but our offense is fully within our capability of fixing before we get to this gauntlet and we're facing the chargers don't have a great defense the packers don't have a great defense the steelers their defense can be leaky sometimes but it's probably the best defense left on the schedule the 49ers have been getting eaten up a little bit the bears defense is old and you can take advantage of it so i think if you're if there's one bright spot of this gauntlet where a lot of these teams have winning records i think as of right now i think like eight of them have a winning record with like three or four of them being like four and one so it's gonna be hard but there's a there's a couple of bright spots if you can fix your issues that's the vikings biggest problem right now is that they cannot get out of their own way it's like it's like in some of these games it's not even like the 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 opposing team is beating us it's like we just do stupid stuff like that madison fumble like first of all the three straight runs when you know you're oof lord that was awful i mean like it was like it's, sometimes it's okay just, to Sean. zimmer trusts his defense and I and I don't and I don't blame him for that. You're playing Jared Goff in the Lions. It's okay to trust your defense, but like at least try something. Like those three straight runs, and then to run and then not get much, and then run again and then not get much, and then run again and fumble. Like what? <laughs> like that's awful. So we just do these dumb things in every single game that just puts us behind. So if if the Vikings can get out of their own way we have a pretty good chance against just about every team on this schedule, except for maybe the Rams. I don't like that game. I think we played the Rams. Don't we play the Rams? 
Yes. Is the Rams? Yeah, yeah, week 16. Yeah, I'm a Matthew we Stafford fan that week. I don't like that matchup. <laughs> they are going to eat us alive, man. That is going to be a rough yeah, one. Yeah, but they're not we as good as they have been. Hey, it, here's the big thing with the Rams. One, Mike Zimmer knows Matthew Stafford. Two, Mike Zimmer knows how to stop the wide zone. Three, you just got to stop Matt Stafford within the context of the wide zone. Obviously, after that Tampa Bay game, their last two have been struggles on the offensive side of the football for the most part for the Rams. They had struggles against the Seahawks, which uh, historically Thursday nights are a big offensive week and less on defense. And then they really struggled against uh, the Cardinals. I think I, I would be less worried about Zimmer against Matt Stafford in that offense. I'd be more worried about containing Aaron Donald. And then having Jalen Ramsey shadow Justin Jefferson. And you're going to have to have Adam Thielen basically win because Justin Jefferson is going to get a few against Ramsey. But Ramsey is the top corner in the National Football League. Like the, Those are going to be the matchups worth watching. And I think he hit the nail on the head. We got to fix our shit. It's that simple. We have to be less conservative. We're seeing it all throughout the comments here. You know, Dan, 40 points and step on the gas harder. Raymond. Too conservative play calling. Like we we need to uh, put our foot on their throat, step on it, and then make sure they're not getting up. Yeah, like, that's how we have to dirt. play this football game. Yeah, but we have to play that old school mentality. Remember the Titans. I don't want them to gain another yard. Like that line from Coach Yost. You take it to them. You rub their face in it, and you make sure that they know that you kicked their ass. That's the mentality we need. I just don't know if we have the leadership that's going to be able to execute and get that kind of fire. Well, I was asked today in Zimmer's press conference, he goes, what is it about complementary football to getting all three portions of the team playing well together? In the first few weeks, the offense was clicking, right? They've since fallen off the table, and the defense is clicking, and special teams has been on and off, but mostly good, but on and off. Right? We've had kickers, but returns this last week weren't fantastic. What does it take to get all three phases of the game playing well together? Yeah, I don't. That's a, a, Ouija that's a mystery to me. <laughs> Zimmer's response is I wish we could. Then we'd be very good. See, no shit. We right. wish you would too. If you get all three phases playing together, this is a really good football team. But the problem is because of the conservative style, the uh, lack of analytics used in as far as how they how you want to progress in game script, the poor time management, uh, the just ultra conservative, not only just play calling, but for the most part, Kirk Cousins play style. It's hindering this team too much. And Mary just said it right there. Being consistent. If this team is consistent in any way, shape, or form, we're talking about this team as a, as a probably a 4-1 and one football team, maybe even 5-0. and oh. And, like, I'm not super optimistic about this team because all of the issues that we've seen over the past few years are culminating. And they are stacking on top of each other and then showing their ugly heads. But... It's you really can't argue the fact that if they play a little bit better and more consistent, that this team is has a better record on paper. Mm-hmm. On paper, that's the key. On paper, and the question mm-hmm. is, Andrew asks, how much freedom do you think Zimmer's allowing Clint? 
Or do you think well, what I see, did he put the governor, as in the motor governor, on Clint? Because the last two games don't seem to be called as well as the first three. I'll say I'll say this much. Um, and I know um, it, a friend of the show, Eric Eager, was kind of uh, shedding some wisdom with me earlier uh, today, kind of about Clint Kubiak. Because I asked him, he had the tweet where he talked about uh, how Clint Kubiak was the number one play caller the first three weeks, and then he regressed to mean the last two and became number 16. And he said that they, they have some really intriguing models that they built. And I, I think you can really see it, and I'll kind of dive into it more uh, with that article I alluded to earlier that I'm going to be releasing for the Vikings Wire. Like the first to second half, the difference between the success rates is a is appalling. Like at UC Clint Kubiak first half, oh, they're consistent. They're like top ten in the league in EPA. Like dropback EPA is good. Success rate is good. All these different analytics that you use to analyze how a team does on a play-by-play basis. They all look pretty good. You go to the second half, and they have the worst-run EPA in the National Football League. Like the, the success that they are having in the first half is not transitioning to the second half. And I think the one way that I can kind of point to it is it's a Mike Zimmer thing. And I think you're right, Dave. There's some kind of governor or, um, hey, you need to do this kind of directive uh, from Mike Zimmer to Kubiak because especially at half. yeah you're you're seeing regression to the mean as far as second second and long runs and then not being ag- aggressive when you have opportunities not utilizing play action all stuff Deshaun you and I have had conversations about over the first four weeks of the season and you're seeing that come to fruition more and more and more as the weeks go on and it's becoming an alarming trend that Zimmer has too much influence on the offense as far as having a cap there is that governor and i think that's a great way to put it dave because you can easily just unscrew it and take it off and let clint be clint but and i don't and one thing that was extra alarming mike zimmer hired three former head coaches when he became a head coach so he had people he could rely on that had been in those situations kevin stefanski when he took over he had gary kubiak he merged every piece of his verbiage to Gary Kubiak's system to make sure that they were in a lockstep because it makes more sense for one person to change than everyone else. Who does Clint Kubiak have? Clint Kubiak doesn't really have anybody. You could say Rick Dennison, but Dennison can't be there on game days. He can't communicate with the team. Like, who is next to Clint Kubiak as a mentor to help him when he's struggling with play calling, to help him sequence plays together? I think that that is an underlooked piece of information that has been overlooked by Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman. Clint Kubiak doesn't have a mentor that he can lean on as he learns how to call plays because he's brand new at it. And you're seeing the roller coaster of variance over the course of the first five games. And most of the offensive staff is rather young, other than Dennison from, you know, Zoom. Um, and I, I don't have an issue with it being young. Have, have somebody who is a veteran voice. Bring in a guy like a North Turner or Gary Kubiak as a consultant. That bring oh, in somebody I'm sure that can Clint help him on dad every week, but. but he can't talk to him during the game. That's the big part. Like if he's struggling with sequencing plays, he doesn't have anybody he can he can talk to right next to him. And be like, I need help. He, 
He doesn't have that guy. Or to bounce off, hey, I, I want to do this, this, and this. What do you think? Yeah, he can't call his dad. You're not coaches aren't allowed to call during the course of a game. No, they're only not there to the game, but you know, after the game, you know, on Monday or Tuesday, the day off. Hey, Dad, how you doing? How's mom? Yada yada. You've been fishing. You working on the ranch? Reading good books? Yada. You know, stuff good sons do. Yeah. Um, exactly. Tell your daddy but you, you love this. him. You know. Yeah, and you know what? He probably does that after after the game. They probably have long talks throughout the week about how he can improve and how they can fix this team. Because Gary knows this personnel almost as well as Clint Kubiak because he was here just as long before he retired at the end of last season. We are running out of time. We have had a really fun discussion um, kind of about a lot of things here tonight. What's up, Dave? Mary asked, was it a celebration between Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins? All right, Dave. I know that you have I have, have a the little bit here. Let's All see. right, let's let's roll. Hopefully it works. Let's see. <laughs> when I look into your eyes, I suddenly realize how much you mean to me. But most of all, I love you. All right. But most of all, I think this is pretty clear. You. I I have no issue with this clip. That like and the uh, beat reporters were alluding to it after the game. And I'll say this, like they knew their jobs were on the line because if Mike Zimmer gets fired, Kirk Cousins is on his way out the door. Mm-hmm. So they knew that they had to win this game. And I think uh, Kirk finally had that moment that we saw in, in Washington that you like that moment. There you go. Double doink got in just before I did with the, with the, you like that comment. And I think Zimmer knew that he had to show a little bit of fire too. And I think, subliminally and i i can't remember uh, i'm not coming up with the original take but i completely agree with it it was a semi pr stunt and most but most of it was like genuine but they knew that they had to show something so they right, made to sure get, that they showed get it. people talking about something else rather than the the collapse in the second half mm-hmm. of that game which they almost lost yes and they did they did a great job of that um Deshaun, what was your take on it? Are you kind of in lockstep with us, or do you have a little bit of a No, it was just – I just laughed at it, man. That was some funny stuff. There's an angle of the video where there's a guy sitting behind the two, and he is just, like, perplexed at what's going on. He's just looking at them like, what is wrong with you two? Like, what's going on right now? <laughs> it was it was an awkward-looking exchange. It was just – it was funny. It was cool to see, but it was such an awkward-looking exchange. <laughs> like – like, why did Cousin Joe come up like that? He had him, like, by the jacket with, like, both fists. Well, he it hit him just, in the chest. Colors. I could see him stopping his heart, him having a heart attack right there. Um, yeah. And then being 65, you're not used to stuff like that. I mean, you may have been in the past, but you're not used to stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And Zim's immediately response I saw was, wait a minute, and he, and he bucked up. And... Uh, which is probably something I would do because I'm not used to that type of deal anymore. And it took him by surprise. And mm-hmm. if you're ready for it, that's a different story. Yeah. But that was definitely interesting. They both said it was just celebratory. He was excited. Zim says, finally, I'm getting him to show emotion. I want that. Maybe it's working. Mm-hmm. Hey, there has been a change in Kirk's demeanor this season. I just wish we'd put it yeah. all together, and in the second half, he still continued to throw to Justin Jefferson. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's like when you're when you're making a full dinner and hey, I got the steaks right, I got the baked potatoes. Ah, oh, crap! I burned the broccoli. Like, Ooh. and then the next time, ah, <laughs> uh, oh, I undercooked the potatoes. What am I doing? And then the next time you do it, ah, oh, I overcooked the steaks a little bit. And then the fourth time, oh, man, I forgot the dessert. Like, there's, it just always seems to be something. And someday we're going to have a complete team. Someday. Someday. But we have had a hopefully fantastic show tonight. Hopefully before I die. <laughs> uh, hopefully before I die, too. I already, I already came close once three years ago. I don't – I don't. I want to win a damn Super Bowl. And that's why we are as critical as we are of this football team. Gentlemen, let's do a little bit of a rapid-fire player of the week. Um, I'm going to get started, and my player of the week was Patrick Peterson. I thought he had his best performance as a Viking. Obviously, Deshaun alluded to earlier that this was not the strongest receiving core, but I don't. For me, it just felt like he was more comfortable. He was in position. He felt like he knew more of what the defense was asking him to do, and it, it was his best performance as a Viking. It felt closer to the Patrick Peterson of old than the washed-up version that we saw last year with Arizona. So I'm giving my my player of the week to Patrick Peterson. All right, player of the week, got to go with Eric Kendricks. Had a solid game. That interception was insane. Killed a drive where they were moving. Uh, I think we'll see that on the top 100 plays at the end of the year. Just stuck mm-hmm. it out there on one-handed. Now, yeah, my player of the week is live. the ever-young Everson Griffin. He has been balling, and I love it. He looks like he's 10 years younger. No, Griffin's been fantastic. And I, I think Zimmer's right, and I kind of talked about I think, last week on the show that I'm worried about him being overexposed a little too much and his body wearing down too early. So I hope they find a way to balance him being as successful as he is and keeping him on the field, but at the same time, not also being overextended and overexposed and then struggling at the end of the year. Joseph, if Weatherly has two sacks this week, Deshaun will buy Weatherly you Weatherly revenge off. watch. We got a Weatherly <laughs> revenge watch going on. <laughs> there we go. All right. Ladies and gentlemen in the comments, thank you very much. You guys were having a good time in the comments, and we greatly appreciate you. Thank you for welcoming Jared into the show. He provided some fantastic insight for us. And from Dave, Deshaun, and myself, thank you once again. And we will see you next week where we will be turning your Mondays purple, and hopefully we have a little bit of positivity next week. Dave, roll it up. As we always say, Skull Vikings! Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And if you're listening on your favorite aggregator, make sure you rate us. And always feel free to join the conversation here at Climbing the Pocket.